What are your writing dreams? Finishing that book, quitting the day job, becoming a best-selling author? Well, over four years, we've studied the advice of over 300 best-selling authors who've collectively sold over half a billion books. And we are excited to announce the Best Seller Academy. If you're ready to take your writing to the next level with accountability, craft, and coaching, your bestseller dreams are now only a click away. To find out more and apply, visit bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash academy. That's bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash academy. Let's run the show. Hello and welcome to the Bestseller Experiment, where we continue to discover what makes a bestseller and inspire you to start, finish and publish your book. I'm Mark DeVoe. And I am Mark Stan. A huge thank you, as always, to the people who keep this show going, you wonderful listeners, but also our patrons and academates on the Bestseller Academy. And we have two new patrons this week. And can we all budge up at the back and make some room for them? Uh, first on board is is Jan Carr. Thank you, Jan. More about Jan later. And then Sherry Enright, who sent us this delightful message via Patreon. Uh, Sherry said, I've just finished season one as I discovered you guys late in the game after listening to several other podcasts and losing interest. <laughs> so we've passed that test. Uh, you have me jumping off the product the procrastination ship into the unknown sea, but I'm ready to swim, brackets right. And to prove how fun, informative and inspiring your podcast is, I just became a patron. My first ever monetary support of a podcast. You two are so fantastic that I cracked open my pocketbook. Well done. Well, Sherry, thank you so much. We hope to be your lifeboat in the sea of um, literature and mixed metaphors. So thank you, Sherry. <laughs> thank you so Sherry. much. Absolutely brilliant. And thank you to everyone that's supporting that show. And if you would like to join Join Sherry, pop over to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash support. We say the general rule is if we've inspired you in any way in your writing, please, please support this podcast. And there's lots of goodies you get for doing that. Mr. Stay, we're not going to talk about the weather today because I think you pointed out to me last week that I always talk about the weather. But then we are British yes. and that's our right, the isn't last... it? It's our birthright to talk yeah. about the weather. Yeah, the last 340-odd episode. Uh, and yeah. by not talking about the weather, we're still talking about the weather. So, um, yeah, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's a What's, lovely clear day. What, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but how has your week been? I hear, I hear you had the most incredible event. I got a very excited um, text from you after an event in London in Waterstones, which I was mm. delighted to hear about. Tell me about your uh, your exciting adventure last week. Yes, I I, I was... Um, I was uh, uh, I was the Q&A person at Joe Abercrombie's uh, big event at Waterstones Piccadilly. And it was brilliant. It was sold out like a couple of weeks before um, before it was on. Uh, I think the only event on his tour to sell out, and that's because I was there, obviously. Obviously, yeah. yeah. Um, but it was, it was Waterstones Piccadilly's first in-person live event since the end of lockdown. So, wow. you know, there was some... Um, there was a lot to celebrate, frankly. Lots of people wearing masks. It was really good. You know, they it was all set up. It was all nice and clean, nice and spaced out. And Joe was terrific. Joe's such a great person to interview, as you know. You know, you just ask him one question, he goes off a, off on one for ten minutes. Yeah, but what was brilliant. what was great, and what I've really missed uh, is readers in a room. 
you know, for an <sighs> event like that. You know, you get, it's like doing theatre or comedy. You get, you read the room, you get a level, you yeah. get that they're relaxed, that they're enjoying themselves. They're asking great and engaging questions, which was, which was lovely. Uh, and I think, you know, it's great for Joe as well, because any anything like that, where if you're an author, you're meeting your readers, you're, you're meeting the people who actually, you know, fork out money and read your book and, and they tell you what they love and they tell you the bits that they loved. And Joe, Joe especially has to sign some very strange stuff. Terrible insults to people in 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 the books. Really? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so um, yeah, it was it was terrific. It was so good to be back at a lot. And I know there's a lot of um, uncertainty over these kind of in-store book events. I mean, Waterstones Piccadilly can do it because it's big. If you're a little indie bookshop, do you really want to cram people in there? You know, that that kind of thing is. Um, we're still not quite there yet. I think. But uh, yeah, it was it was great to get in a room with a bunch of readers like that. I think it's such an important part of the journey for a writer as well. I think it's like we've, we're building something in the academy called Spotlights, and the idea is is that all of these different milestones that you you want to try and reach as an author, and one of them is like doing your first book tour or doing your first book signing. And I think this idea of meeting your readers, if you think about so many places in in the creative world where you do get to meet your fan base as it were i mean if you're you know if you're a musician you know you're up on stage and you're getting like thousands of people like screaming and yelling and it's like the, the ultimate in some ways but for for authors we're stuck in this in our little rooms writing away and we often don't know about who's mm. reading it who's enjoying it and i think during those book meets you often really get to hear some of those stories from people about how your books have changed someone's life or just how much they've appreciated your work. And so I think it's a really good goal for every author to eventually get to that point where they do that book tour. And even more so, like you say, because of COVID and the fact that there's been such a lack of face-to-face like yeah. human contact, it, it it really links the two together. And um, so, yeah, I encourage everyone to, to add that to their their kind of wish list, their dream declaration of what they want to do. But what a what a great what a great place to be. Like we've been talking for like last year and a half about the challenges of COVID. But like you say, it's it's so much more than just a book event, isn't it? It's a it's a kind of a, an, a reopening of of this world that we we once knew. And uh, yeah, I for one am really excited about it. And uh, so what? Yeah, what I mean, Waterstones doesn't get much bigger than that. What is the biggest bookstore in London? Is it Waterstones or is it is it Foils still? Oh, you know what? I'm not sure. It's one or t'other. They're both yeah. whoppers, Massive. absolute whoppers. Um, I was talking to um, Helen, who was running the event there. You know, because just, just the week before, a young woman tweeted that she'd managed to get herself locked into Covent Garden after they've um, the Waterstones Covent Garden after they closed. There's a oh, picture no. of her sort of doing a selfie, going biting her lips, and <laughs> say, "Whoopsie, this is this is bad news. I'm stuck at a bookshop all on my own overnight." Was she all by herself. <laughs> yeah. Well, Covent Garden, Covent Garden has a um, a basement as well, and there's so many little nooks and crannies where you can get completely lost. And of course, you know, Waterstones Piccadilly six floors, and they're huge. And you know, it's it's that thing of does someone sort of bury themselves under a pyramid of books, you know, and then waits till the lights go out and then starts, you know, goes on a rampage or something. There's a question for readers. <laughs> Has anyone ever been locked in a bookstore? And if so, which book did you pick to read whilst you wait for the doors to open the next morning? <laughs> I mean, it could be worse places to be stuck for the night, right? 
As long as you got a torch, absolutely. Yeah, as long yeah. as you got a torch, it'd be like yeah. like like kind of being a six year old on steroids under your duvet cover, just hoping nobody comes in in the middle of the night. That's brilliant. <laughs> Have you ever been locked in a in a bookstore? And if so, why? What happened? Tell us a story. We'll read it out on the podcast. And another another <laughs> um, question: If you could pick your dream bookshop to do your first or your next book signing, where would it be and why? So maybe you've come across a a really interesting bookstore in the middle of you know, somewhere in the other side of the world that you've always thought that'd be lovely. Um, tell us about your favorite bookstores that you would like to do a book signing and we'll, we'll read those out as well. That'd be a bit of fun. Also, I just want to say thank you to uh, we, a, a bunch of listeners came up and said hello at the Joe Abercrombie event, which was lovely. So, uh, yeah, it was nice. Saw quite a few listeners there. So they're real, Mr. D. They, they, really? They're not just bots. They there are real people oh. listening to this right now. So you I see, that's, actually, that's what I yeah. miss. I, I, I do envy not being near and around London and being able to be at these events because I would just love 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 that being stuck out here on the the edge of the pacific ocean over. i know over. i know i'm planning at some point i'm planning at some point <laughs> once they open up all of the uh restrictions of course right but uh yeah, yeah it'd be absolutely brilliant but no I'm, I'm so glad that you got to meet some listeners and it's it's kind of fun isn't it because i know some podcasts do these podcast tours have you ever seen that mark a bit like book book tours but they actually go around the country and they kind of end up in yes yeah town halls yeah and things. Funny us, this came up in the um, every week on the academy. We have our post podcast craft chat where myself and academics we talk about the previous episode. I don't know how it came up, but one of our academics, Christopher, he was saying, "Have you thought of doing live shows? Have you thought of doing a tour?" And I thought, "Well, Mister D was in the UK. Maybe, well, okay. maybe Here, we would have done do that this. by now." But, let's yeah. do this. All right. Here's 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 the thing. If we Uh-oh. can get if we can get <laughs> Waterstones in Piccadilly. Maybe have a chat with them. Everyone start emailing them. Say, get the bestseller experiment to do a live show from... Ask for Helen. Ask for Helen. What do you think? What do you think, Mark? Where should, where, should, where would we do it? If When I'm next in the UK, I'm genuinely serious here. This would be a laugh and a half. I'd like to meet some listeners. Yeah. Um, let, let's pick a bookstop, a bookshop somewhere in, in, in London that would be easy to get to, and we'll do a live episode from there. What do you reckon? Yeah, get a few of, and our, then maybe friend, one get a few day, of our author friends along. You know, and maybe one day if you ever stars. come over come over this side of the of the, the pond, we'll do we'll do the return leg in Vancouver or that'd be yeah. a laugh. We shouldn't talk about this live on air, should we? That's no, we should, no. It's not a good idea. Is I know, it? I know, I've, I know. We've got some listeners who get very excited about that <laughs> and be like, "Well, when's it happening? Is it next week? Or a week after?" <laughs> oh well, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? I mean, look, the world's opening up again. We can start moving around, mm. and uh, that'd be a lot of fun. Anyway, before we make too many other promises and commitments, uh, we better get into our interview this week. Yeah. We have a brilliant interview this week. Tell us about um, Aves Khan. Uh, Aves Khan is the author of In the Company of Strangers and No Honor, uh, which is his latest book and has been getting the most extraordinary acclaim. Aves returns to the podcast because he spoke to us for a deep dive, episode 239, and I'll put a link in the show notes for that. But I wanted to get Aves back on because he's had the most incredible year with his new book, and it was capped by an article in Punk Noir that declared him to be one of the most important writers in the world today. Uh, And I thought, well, that's a lot has changed since we last spoke to him. Uh, So I wanted to speak to him about the lessons he's learned since the publication of his debut novel. He talks about working to deadlines and the differences between storytellers, writers, and documenters. Excellent. So let's dive in and listen to Mark chatting with the wonderful Aves Khan. Aves Khan, welcome 
back to the bestseller experiment. How are you today, sir? Hi, Mark. It's great to be back at the bestseller experiment. And thank you so much for having me. I'm well. Hope you're well too. Very, very good. Thank you. Uh, now, long-term listeners will know that we last spoke for a deep dive, which was episode 239. And folks, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. That was October 2019. And back then, we discussed writing courses. You just published your debut novel in The Company of Strangers. And I think it's fair to say, as, a, as, a, as an author, you had a fairly low profile. Now, when I simply put your first name into Google, you pop up. I mean, literally, autocomplete says a little picture of you and everything. And is your new novel, No Honor, is getting the most amazing acclaim. And then the other day, I see an article uh, in Punk Noir magazine with your photo and the headline read, one of the most important writers today, Aves Khan. You're a superstar, man. Let's Can we discuss what's happened in the last couple of years? Uh, maybe let's start with the experience of publishing in the company of strangers and pick up from there? What what were the biggest lessons learned from that? Well, first of all, I can't believe that it's almost been two years since we last spoke. I, I was thinking that maybe it was 2020, but now that you reminded me, I it, it's surprising how quickly time flies. Yeah. And yes, uh, as you know, within the company of strangers, it was my debut novel. I was very close to it. And we were having such a hard time placing it with publishers because Nobody thought that uh, anyone, would, anyone would want to read about the secrets and lies of Pakistan's elite society. But uh, thankfully, the novel, I mean, it, it was published by a small publisher, but it went on to sell a lot of copies, uh, both in print and online. And it got some pretty rave reviews uh, in news publications and by many authors. So I think that sort of set uh, the things in motion. But uh, the, 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 the kind of acclaim I've gotten with No Honor, it's totally unprecedented. Mm -hmm. I had not expected this kind of acclaim. So I'm very happy with what, the way things have turned out. But I think, yes, uh, your debut sort of sets you up for what's to come. It certainly does. It certainly does. Was there anything about the process of publication of In the Company of Strangers that any lessons that you took forward for No Honor? Well, I the one lesson I did learn was that it takes a long time sometimes to uh, get published or to find a publisher. Uh, within the company of strangers, I'd, I'd waited for almost two years for a deal. But when the deal happened, then there was another deal that happened really quickly after that, which was with Simon & Schuster or in the company of strangers. So I I went in with, no, with an open mind. I knew that it could happen very soon, very quickly, or I... But I was prepared to wait for as long as necessary because I'd been through that within the company. I knew that uh, in publishing, things can certainly take their time. Yes, yes. Patience and perseverance are essential, oh, essential for this game. Um, let's talk about your, your new book, No Honor. And it really is getting the most incredible acclaim. And I, am I right in thinking that it started with a short story? Yes, uh, I had written a short story for the Aleph Review. It's a very prestigious literary magazine. So I remember it was published in 2018, I think. And my agent took one look at it and she was like, you have to expand this into a novel. This is a very important story and it cannot, uh, you just, it, you have to sort of expand it. And that's when I started thinking about it. But also um, uh, it, with No Honor, there, there were a lot of uh, uh, Places where I got my inspiration from, especially with uh, uh, if you, if I don't know if you're familiar with it, but in two, there was a very high-profile murder of a social media celebrity in Pakistan, 
was uh, killed by her own brother for honor. So that sort of got me thinking about uh, if someone as popular as her would fall prey to this, then what chance did uh, women in rural Pakistan stand against this? When it comes to expanding a short story, particularly one on a on a subject that is, I think contentious is probably the wrong word, but it's certainly one that arouses passions. Um, how do you go expanding a, a short story like that? Where where do you where do you start? Is it with the characters or the themes, or because you don't just want to start padding it out for the sake of it? Where do you start? You know, uh, with those first building blocks for turning it into a novel. With in, with no honor, it was easier for me because the short story that I'd written was more or less a prologue, so it functioned as right. a prologue in many ways. So uh, in that. But but in order to expand from a short novel, I think you need to focus the most on character and to and especially on the story and plot because you have to see whether the plot has any legs in it. Uh, if it doesn't have any legs, then you can't really expand it into a novel. It remains a short story. But uh, but yeah, you have to take all of these things into account: the character, the plot, the overall story, and uh, if. If there's enough meat in the story, then yes, you can expand it. But uh, with with no honor, I've thought there was, and uh, my agent helped me through it, and we came up with this uh, novel that was eventually picked up by Orinda. Then, so yeah, excellent stuff, excellent stuff. Now the the punk noir interview, if we can talk about that. Uh, I thought it was really interesting because the the writer of that interview, Stephen J. Golds, he 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 thinks there are three kinds of writers. So he he talks about the writer, Tobias Wolf, the storyteller, Stephen King, J.K. Rowling, and the documenter, John Steinbeck, who he says is also a storyteller. But he thinks you're you're a rarity, a writer that combines all three, which is a, a huge compliment. But I mean, these are these are easy categories, reductive categories. We can argue about those all day. But is that combination? something that you strive for, being a storyteller, a writer, by that I guess I mean a stylist, and a documenter, someone who's taking real life. How did you feel about that? Well, uh, to be honest, I'm very shocked and pleasantly surprised, actually. And Stephen's been absolutely very kind with his words. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it was very interesting because with no honor, this is exactly what I was hoping for, to be able to be a documenter, but to also be a storyteller at the same time. Because sometimes when people are reading fiction, fiction hits you harder than nonfiction sometimes if it's done right. So that is what I was trying to do with the honor to basically shine a light on what went on in Pakistan, but to tell it uh, in a way that people could read it as an engaging story. And probably, uh, yeah, that's what I said, like fiction, sometimes it, it's, it hits harder than nonfiction. So that was the ultimate aim. So I don't know if I'm all three, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I think Stephen's just being too kind with me, but uh, <laughs> it was really nice to see that in any case. <laughs> Do you have a preference yourself as a reader? Do you prefer storytellers, writers, or documenters? I actually love all sorts of uh, uh, writing, but... but to be honest, I do like storytelling the most because that way you can really deep dive into the uh, novel and then get finished in a day or two. With a documentary sort of piece, then you have to think about it. You spend a lot of time thinking and going through it. And, you know, you think about it long after turning the final page. But with a story, with a novel that's predominantly a storytelling thing, then you sort of race through it, I feel. Excellent. Um, we're obsessed with writers' habits on this podcast. We'd love to know what 
a day is like with you, what your writing habits are like. Are you a write every day kind of author? I am not at all a write every every day kind of author because I write whenever the inspiration strikes me and the inspiration doesn't really strike me that often. <laughs> what I do is um, when I'm writing something, I work really well with deadlines. So if someone gives me a deadline, then I can deliver on time. But if someone doesn't give me a deadline, then I will keep delaying it and indefinitely. So like, for example, for No Honor, when it was picked up before it went on submission, I'd been working on it for three years. So my agent told me that I want this novel. I want this book by, I think, February the 1st, 2020. She was like, do not go one day beyond it. <laughs> and I remember it was December when she told me that. And I was literally three fourths way through uh, the book. And I it, I went in all guns blazing and I finished it. And I finished it right on time. So I work really well with deadlines. So give me a deadline and I'll deliver. Otherwise, you'll find me forever. So yeah, that's my process. <laughs> when uh, Before you had a deadline, when you were writing in the company of strangers and you know, you're writing essentially to get an agent and maybe get published, how did you motivate yourself to finish that book without that finish line in sight? Yes. So within the company of strangers, what happened was that I was taking the Faber six-month course, mm -hmm. the write your novel online course. So that had its own motivation. So I was, we had this really nice group of writers who were all working on their novels and they were literally going ahead with the novel. And I was like, I don't want to be left behind. So this what that was my motivation at the time that I wanted to finish it just like them. So for me, I think you have to push me in order to get me to finish something. But when you, when once I am sort of suitably pushed, then I can deliver. <laughs> okay. So good. yeah. And when your agent gives you that deadline, say February the first, do you sit down and plan out how much you're going to write every day, or do you just burn the candle at both ends and and, and go for it? I burn the candle at both ends, <laughs> and that's exactly what I do. I. I feel that I'm uniquely, I don't know about uniquely, but I am kind of blessed with the fact that I can survive with very little sleep. So that really works in my favor. So you can, I, I can sleep for three years and I'll, I'd be fresh the next day, or at least until the work day is over. So that's one of my, I think that's one of the things that I'm very uh, sort of, I feel out because that way I can work harder. So this is what I did. I burned the candle from both both ends and uh, literally went in and finished it and delivered it by February the 1st, 2020. So I still remember the date because she was very adamant about it. She was like, I'm not going to budge this time. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. I just I just want just for your own health of S, is that sustainable? Is that, you know, is there a danger? It could drive you a little mad. Yes, it's definitely not sustainable and I don't do it all the time. I just went there I can when I want to. But uh, but no, I, I because the, after a few days, I sort of crash. So it's definitely not a very healthy habit, but it, it can come in handy when you're in a tight spot. So that's <laughs> one of those things, so, I guess. Fair enough. Okay. When you're, you, you were saying that you write when you're inspired otherwise. When you're not feeling inspired, what are you doing in terms of keeping the creative engine turning? Is it some? Are you keeping notes? Are you just thinking about future ideas? How how does that creativity simmer in the background for you? Yeah. Um, well, I'm not. I I love taking notes, and I love uh, 
drawing up plot uh, lines and everything. But the problem is that I don't end up following them. So I could have a very elaborate outline, in front, but when I do sit in front of my laptop, I sort of it the story takes its its own pace and it sort of goes on its own. So I don't really see the use of me drawing up elaborate outlines. So what I do is just I just think about it now, and if there are some really pertinent plot points then i'll just make a note of them but i don't do that those elaborate outlines anymore because they are of no use to me right. <laughs> ultimately right so, so yeah so you're you're very much uh, a pantser kind of author where you've been ins- exactly. inspired by something and then you just jump in yes i'm definitely a pantser and when i'm not feeling inspired um I just uh, I just tell the other person to give me a deadline. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm seeing a pattern here. Um, yeah, having yeah. been through the experience of the last couple of years of doing the course of getting an agent, and do go back and listen to the deep dive, folks. It's brilliant because the, the biggest lesson uh, we, we we discovered is always check your junk mail uh, <laughs> because that's where you realise an agent had got back to you. Um, and an extraordinary you know publication of two novels what's your advice for writers out there who are sort of slugging their way through a, a first draft well um all i can say is that i understand where you're at and believe me i understand more than most because i'm a pakistani author and pakistan has no industry publishing industry to speak of we have no literary agents here so writing in pakistan is literally a labor of love because you have no idea you have very little expectation of ever getting published when you're in pakistan because i mean like i said publishing is not a very important industry in in, in this country despite having a population of over 220 million people so when i say that and i understand i do understand it's always a struggle and you always wonder that all this work that you're putting in will it ever benefit you in the end the answer is that yes it does benefit you it might take time uh, obviously it's not there's no hard and fast rule of how to get published but it does happen if you keep at it and there are so many times when i wanted to give up when i had given up actually but then something would happen some little thing some little motivation here or there some course i would take and then that motivation would re- i'll start i'd start writing again so my advice would definitely be to never give up and keep writing and uh, usually we know what we're doing so if someone is criticizing you for the sake of criticism then don't uh, listen to them because we know what we're doing usually uh, so yeah so just do your bit and let the universe do the rest <laughs> <laughs> how fantastic i love that we we talk a lot on the podcast about the importance of community for writers the fact that i mean i'm very lucky i live in a place where there's literary festivals everywhere there are bookshops everywhere you know the it's wherever i look there is a writing community we have a great writing community on the academy and in uh, for our patrons and on the bestseller experiment facebook group but again if you're if you're there in lahore pakistan and there's no industry how do you go about finding like-minded writers you know like yourself was was the faber academy helpful there or where did you go before that and um, where's your community now so yeah uh, in pakistan there isn't much of a community i mean yes we uh, now that i'm published and everything i have connected with a few other writers from 
from Pakistan and we're like, we're a group of like-minded people. But imagine this, Lahore is a city over 12, 13 million consists of seven or eight people. So you see, it, it is that hard to find people who you connect with uh, in a city like Lahore. Uh, it just goes on to show that there's so much to be done in a country like Pakistan. And, uh, there are so many talented people here, so many readers here, but uh, unfortunately it is all uh, going to waste. Their talent is going to waste. And uh, But yeah, community is so important. I basically have my actual community in London and that is why I, I really like visiting London because all my friends are there, all my writing friends, my agent, my publishers, they're all there. So whenever I'm in London, it's literally like a kid in Disneyland or something. So I'm kind of like that. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> well, I, sincere, I sincerely hope, Avest, that uh, there are writers in, in Pakistan who listen to this, who get inspired by you because it, you know, it, it certainly can be done. And I'm looking at folks, if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, you'll see behind us a bookshelf rammed with books. And I know books are quite hard to come by. English language books are quite hard to come by in Pakistan. So where where are you getting those? Where Because we've had conversations where you've tried to get my book and I've said, oh, uh, try the uh, try the book depository. And I don't think they it's one of the countries they, they don't deliver to. Is that correct? Yes. They don't deliver to Pakistan. I've been, I bought the uh, ebook actually of your book, but I, I'm desperately waiting to buy the print book because it's such a beautiful cover, and I do judge a book by its cover, unfortunately. No, no, <laughs> so, yeah, but we do have a few really good independent bookshops here that do order in the like the majority of the titles, like any bestsellers out there, they will get them, mm. but they don't get them all. So it's always a struggle. I'm always nudging them that get this book, get that book, but it takes so much time. Mm. And then uh, it doesn't help that the books get stuck in at customs. So I ordered a few of my book, uh, a few copies of No Honor, and they got stuck at customs. And I had to pay an eye-watering duty oh. on them. So it's just that Pakistan makes it so so much harder uh, to get books into the country. So yeah, it's it's really if. People are watching it. I'll actually. This is just my. This is just one shelf. The actual <laughs> shelf is. Uh, I'll show you. Uh, yeah. So this is what it looks like. So this is my actual <gasps> uh, collection. My God, that's like <laughs> so a I library. Have, like, <laughs> yeah. It's like uh, I've got four thousand books in my collection. So yeah. Wow, that's a, that, that is incredible. Uh, so, if you're listening to this just on the audio podcast, what I've just seen there, well, it looks like a bookshop, basically. Ms, you, you've got your own library there. It's just just amazing. So, uh, fantastic. I swear, the booksellers in Lahore, whenever they see my face, they literally brighten up because they know <laughs> that this guy will literally be bankrupt here. So, it's, they're they're always so happy when they see me. So, yeah. Brilliant stuff. What's coming next for you, Aves? What's inspiring you now do you have a deadline <laughs> that's the thing you see i don't have a deadline which is why i'm dawdling i am <laughs> supposed to be writing another book for orenda and karen my publisher has been very generous so far she hasn't um, uh, sort of asked me even once what's going on with the book <laughs> so she's being very patient but i am you know sort of uh, uh, i'm not i'm not doing well with that so i really need her to give me a deadline so that i can deliver it on time <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I'll spend all my time dawdling. 
because what happens is that I write a few pages and then there's this book that takes my fancy and I'm like, oh, let's read this book or hey, let's do this and let's log on to social media and see what's going on. So there's so many distractions. And uh, unless I'm on a deadline, I'm, I'm always uh, falling prey to distractions. Well, I mean, if those distractions are reading other people's books, that surely counts as a research and, and inspiration, doesn't it? I mean, that's not. You know, that's a perfectly legitimate way to spend your time, especially if you've got 4,000 books to read, you know, so that's not, I think that's perfectly legit, don't you? Well, you're you're not helping me by saying this because <laughs> that, that will only sort of go on to cement my habit of getting distracted. But yes, I do uh, uh, believe in supporting other writers. Uh, I, I always make it a point to buy their books and to make sure I promote them as much as I can through my platforms. And uh, I, I feel that, writers uh we we're, we're such a small community and if we don't look after each other then who will especially in a country like pakistan we don't have a lot of writers and the people in pakistan i mean they're all very nice generally but there are some people in pakistan who take pleasure in pulling you down and this is a this is something that i have experienced time and again and this is why i try to avoid that and i try to support uh everyone in everyone I come across, because there's no harm in supporting the other person. You won't uh, lose any readers or any money over supporting anyone, someone else. So I try to do my bit. Oh, fantastic. You're an inspiration to us all of us. Absolutely fantastic. And where can where can folks find you online? So I am everywhere. So you just have to click. Uh, I'm Avais Khan author, A-W-A-I-S-K-H-A-N author uh, on Twitter, Instagram, and on Facebook. And you can also look me up at the Writing Institute. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm everywhere. <laughs> like I said, folks, just put his first name into Google and there he is. Aves, it's been an absolute joy speaking to you. And it's been brilliant seeing your career uh, just go so amazingly well over the last couple of years. And here's looking forward to the next few years and, and speaking to you again, maybe in the real world uh, sometime soon. Uh, so thank you so much for speaking to us today. Thank you so much, Mark, for having me. And it's been an absolute pleasure. And I don't feel like it two years have passed. It seems like yesterday that we were talking. And uh, I'm keeping everything crossed that the UK moves Pakistan to the Amber List so that I can come and visit and hopefully meet you. Hopefully soon. Brilliant stuff. Take care, man. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. I've always said it, Mark, haven't I? I you've got to love a deadline. You've got to love a deadline. <laughs> and Vess is our shining light. Isn't it fascinating yeah. how the difference of, of creating that deadline and what a difference it makes? Mm, really does. Really, really does. I mean, I, I feel I'm, you know, I'm a right every day author. I feel like I'm fairly prolific, uh, but having a finish line does make it, it, well, for a start, it just helps me organize. It helps me prioritize what's important, what needs to go to the front of the queue and what needs to make, what can be kind of, kind of held back. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, and it's, you know, if you don't have a deadline, then we talk about public declarations, you know, make one of your own, say, declare it to the world. I'm going to, well, as we did in our first season of the podcast, the first 12 months, that was that was how it all started. We said, we're going to do this within 12 months. <laughs> so, you know, uh, do it, be brave, do it. Yeah, absolutely. It's something that we we actually start everyone's journey off in the academy by getting them to create a deadline. I mean, it's it's the beginning it's the beginning of the journey. And I've always loved that quote from Stephen Covey, who wrote Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, think with the end in mind. 
And I think so much so with books. I mean, let's think about building a house, for example. You know, we talk about brick by brick, one brick at a time. It's quite similar to writing a book. The thing is, there is a structure to a house. You know that the roof is what finishes it. The trouble with a book, <laughs> there's no potential end unless you decide to get there and write it. And I think people, I've noticed actually just by, you know, working with lots of different people, being in writing groups, obviously all the great feedback and in the academy, people that don't have deadlines don't know when to end. And sometimes mm. that book project can become a lifelong goal. And I know there's people out listening to go, going, yeah, actually that's me. I've been working on this book for 10 years. We know you're out there and we're here to encourage you because really the only reason why people end up writing and writing and rewriting and, and chucking a hundred thousand words away and starting again and, you know, going back to something they started four years ago that, that, that maybe isn't finished it's because ultimately, usually there's no deadline. It's no deadline. So, and Aves is living proof of that. I mean, he said, you know, without a deadline, it's just like a, a ship that's floating around in the ocean with, with no rudder. So um, I really want to encourage people like, like Aves, you can see what happens when you focus. It really, deadlines are like probably the most important thing as a writer. If you don't have a deadline, you may never, ever finish ever. In fact, there's another deadline. And that's the end of our life. And one of them is going to come first, <laughs> right? So, you know, get get the book deadlines down. And actually, you know what, Mark? It's about practicing it as well, isn't it? Because when you finish your first book, you get better at, I think, kind of hitting deadlines with more practice. Well, I know a few authors who might disagree with that, but uh, but yeah, <laughs> Douglas Adams for one. Mm. Um, but yes, I I I think I think you're absolutely right. One one other thing that came up in the conversation. Uh, with the vest is perseverance, and there's a slight difference because you know we we talk about people who spend ten years writing the same book or whatever, and they might say, "Well, that's perseverance." Well, they get it over the line and finish it. And I'm talking about people who've got stuff published or maybe finished something, and have put it out there, and it's the big moment, and this is it, and here we are, and then the world doesn't change. The world is exactly the same, and then you've got to go through this again. And then again, mm. and and I know there are people out there who can feel, oh, blimey, I keep doing this. And Aves was talking about this, you know, I keep trying to get my words out there, but keep getting knocked back, or maybe I feel like I'm just shouting into a void, um, you know, but uh, as Aves says, never give up. And it was interesting because just today I saw an article um, that someone had been speaking to the film director and writer Guillermo del Toro, who just one of my favorite oh, yeah. filmmakers, you know, Pan's Labyrinth, whatever. And he was saying that he has written 20 screenplays that never got made. And he estimates that is because he was saying it's um he says each each one takes six to ten months of worth work. So he reckons that 16 years of his life on stuff that will never see the light of day. And that's Guillermo, that's Oscar winner Guillermo right. del Toro saying you know, 16 years of stuff that will never see the side. But he says, he says it's experience and skill improvement. So this is the thing, you know, you may feel it's it's going into the void. That book might not impact the way you wanted it to, or it might not get picked up by an agent or a publisher. But the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. Perseverance in this in this game, you really, you've really got to hang in there. I mean, I've been it, it was it was at least ten years before I started getting even the vaguest nibbles of interest in my stuff, you know. And I, I get reject. I have down days. I've I, I had a day last week where I got some news about something. And I was like, oh, 
you know, just all the wind goes out the sails. You know, mm. you just think, why am I? And li- literally 48 hours later, I've got a bit of news about, oh, brilliant. That's good. excellent. <laughs> oh, that is rather good. You know, so it's some um, perseverance. It's a rocky old ride. It is a roller coaster. Um, but yeah, you've just got to just got to keep banging your head, man. Absolutely. Well, absolutely. And I think you know, not, not to kind of like um, discourage people, but I think writing is more about the big moments, isn't it? I mean, writing is a life journey. It's a life exploration. The more and more we've done this podcast, the more I've started to realize that, interestingly. I've started to realize how it benefits people's mental health. It's a way of getting stuff out of you onto the page. There, you know, in some ways, the success really is the icing on the cake. I mean, it's a big cake though, right? It's a massive cake <laughs> because there's so much, there's so many other things that we get from writing. And I want I want to encourage everyone that every single word that you put down on the page, every single word that you write today will make you a better writer. That's part of the journey. That's part why we show up here. It's about exploring our potential as writers and exploring our world as writers. And I really do think that um, we have to hang on to that and remember that, you know, if we put in the very best of what we are on the page, it obviously increases the chances of that success coming. But to not lose sight of the fact that, you know, life is a journey. It's not about necessarily the destination. It's about it's about learning and growing through that journey. And that's what we are as writers. And I think it's a really, it's so incredible that we actually have this potential for something huge to happen because there's many people going through life on those types of journeys where they're they're working at something and there is no kind of like big holy grail at the end or big kind of upside or potential to have their book on the shelf you know in many other forms of life it's just about getting through those getting through those days and growing whatever challenge someone has and everyone's got a challenge um but i think writers are a really unique group of people um, it's a, mm. it's a, such a unique outlet and it's funny because, you know, we've been doing this podcast nearly five years. Um, mm. and it's, it's starting to like the depth of what we've been learning about. It's really starting to percolate up for me now. I'm really starting to see a much, much, much bigger life picture around it. And that's, that's what I find fascinating. Um, so yeah, I think, um, when we hear about these stories of people who are kind of on the verge of giving up, maybe what they're saying is I need a break for now. I need to take a few weeks off because I promise you, you might want to leave writing, but writing will never leave you. If if you, if you, if you've ever put that on a t-shirt, you you put that on a (laughs) t-shirt, but it's true. It's like, if you've, if you've ever had that experience of being inspired to write when you've read a book and you've sat down to write, writing has got you for the rest of your life, whether you like it or not. So people can try and run away, but it's a bit like that game you see at the, the school fates where you're attached to a bungee cord. You can run away from it. And you, <laughs> at some point you, forget, you get flying back to it. And, you know, I learned that, Mark, through music. I, I learned the same thing through music. And it's a quote I've always said in music. You know, you, you can try and leave music, but music will never leave you. It will take you as a writer when you've quit, I promise you, it'll take you one book that inspires you to get you back writing again. Maybe one podcast, mm. maybe one story on one interview, um, someone else's story, but you will be writing for the rest of your life. So it's okay to have a break, but you'll be back. Yeah, and you will get that book finished. Yeah. And I think we can we can put a bit too much 
emphasis on things like the the the, the big publishing events like the book launch. Uh, you know, we were talking at the beginning about Joe Abercrombie's launch, and that was all good fun and everything. But what a lot of people don't tell authors before they're published is that publication day can be a little bit anticlimactic. Mm. You know, you can come out of that thinking, well, oh, is that it? You know, because you've been building up. It's like Christmas morning. You know, you think it's going to be Christmas and Easter and, and Hanukkah and everything all rolled into one, you know, and it's just, oh, you have, oh, oh God, I've got to keep doing this. I've got, mm. I've got to write another one, you know, and it can, and those weeks after you can get a little bit um, deflated because, like I say, the world hasn't shifted. You, you're not suddenly walking on rose petals everywhere you go. You know, so, um, yeah. but this is what the gig is. You know, you it are is. you are here to write. The mo- the moments that matter are the ones that come completely out of the blue, where someone goes. I'm talking about making contact. Where where a reader goes, oh, I bloody love this. This was great. I really enjoyed yeah. that. Those are the moments, and they are. I mean, in lockdown, they're harder to come by. Um, but they do come and they do happen. And this goes back last week. Abby Silver was saying, you know, if you've read something you've loved by an author, let them know. Don't hesitate. It makes mm. their day. It, it will lift them out of that slump. So uh, it is important. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's 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 super important as well to know that the the what you get paid back for writing a book is like dividend payments. Um, you know, if you do get a big major deal with a with a um, a big publisher amazing and yeah there might be a big paycheck which would be fantastic but for many people the launch of the book is the beginning of the process where you get dividend payments like even five years down the road we get we're still getting five star reviews for back to reality and reading those little reviews and thinking oh my gosh that's great somebody new found the book today someone loved the book um and you can continuously get you know a drip dividend payment as i like to think of it and for all the effort and work and intensity that you put in in writing that book um you know the book lasts forever for the rest of your life people will be discovering your book and i think that there's no greater feeling in this world than knowing that your book has in some way made a difference in someone's world and and that's i think the longer tale that we 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 don't often focus on because it's often always focused around the big event like you say yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But it, and it can be both for people it happens to, and and then it takes off, and then it grows, and it starts to get the momentum. That's incredible as well, and that can always happen as well. Mm. And I think we should never stop dreaming or believing about that as writers, because because we get to do that. Like I said before, there's so many other professions where you don't get to do that. You put the hard work in, job's mm. done. Okay, what do we do next? And there's no drip feeding of feedback for years to come. There's no potential of a Netflix series at the end of the road. You know, it's just like you do your job, you're finished, and then you start the new job and that's it. Um, so we are really privileged in that regard to be, to kind of be as mm. writers, to be working in that, in that space. Absolutely. It's amazing stuff. Um, what else did you, what else jumped out for you that Aves mentioned, Mark? I love this idea of uh, the storyteller, the writer, and the documenter. Mm. And I, I mean, obviously, it's really reductive, um, but it's a, it's an interesting conversation because it does start make you you do start thinking about what kind of writer you are. Uh, you know, are you the storyteller with the you know the, the great stylist? Uh, are you um, you know are you the writer who who's uh, you know focused more on the on the prose? Are you the documenter who who tells true stories? You know, someone like Aves and and you know John Steinbeck, or are you a combination of all three? You know, so I I think I think having a little of each 
you know, having that um, storyteller side to yourself, you know, the, the Stephen King, the J.K. Rowling side, where you're you're telling wonderful, you're weaving wonderful tales um, with great prose, the great prose of the writer, and with a little bit of, um, you know, the the emotional truth of the documenter. It's it's a it's a fascinating um, division of uh, responsibility in a way for a writer, and I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, it's a really unique way of looking at it, isn't it? And I think that um, to hear it put in the way that Aves put it, kind of that's what I love about about every author has a has a different group of set of experiences, but the the, the way they can shine a light on a concept um, always gives us a different way of looking at it, which is brilliant. And there was also one thing about Aves that um, we mentioned about his short story. Tell us about a really interesting link between him and one of our academy members. This is, it was only when I listened back the second time just before we started recording, I thought, oh, that rings a bell. And of course, the short story that became um, No Honor uh, was published in the Aleph Review, which is, uh, you know, a great literary magazine in, in Pakistan. Uh, and, you know, his short story is first published in there. And of course, last week in the wins section, we reported that our academy, Osman Hanif, had his story. Uh, featured uh, well accepted by the LF review so uh Osman you're on your way man you know just <laughs> there's there's a vest right there uh I'll tell you what as well I bet if Osman got in touch with a vest they're going to be you know Aves was talking about how he wants to support other writers, and he really does. His Twitter account is amazing. Social media is just amazing. Um, yeah, so Osman, go my man, fantastic. Here we go. God, if there's an omen, if ever I've seen one, mm. eh? that's fantastic news. <laughs> brilliant stuff. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much to Aves for coming on the show this week. Absolutely brilliant. And, uh, and you know, we, we always love a story that has a, you know, stories always have chapters. And that was kind of chapter two of, of Aves's appearance on the Best Seller Experiment. Can't wait to see where chapter three and, and the rest of the, the plot unfolds. <laughs> now, we have a, we're introducing this new feature Um for, called Spotlight, which is where we um, talk about a particular author that we're very excited about uh, in the Bestseller Academy. And this week, we have the incredible Jan Carr, Jeanette Carr. And Mark, tell us about something very special that she's doing with her book. Well, Jan, uh, a couple of years ago, Jan published this book here, The Wonder Girls. I've got a copy here, which is is terrific. And it's about um, girls standing up to the black shirts. It's set in England, 1936. And the black shirts were... Uh, British supporters of Adolf Hitler, and it's about a, a girl gang who uh, stand up to them. And um, it's a cracking read. And actually, if you like the wartime setting of my book, The Crow Folk, do check out The Wonder Girls. And Jan has got a sequel on the way, The Wonder Girls Resist, uh, which looks absolutely cool gorgeous cover absolutely oh, gorgeous it. cover um and she's doing it as a kickstarter which i've backed so if you go on to kickstarter and look and uh, look up jm J. car and the wonder girls resist and we'll put a link in the show notes to it to make it easy for you to find um <laughs> you can support jan's wonderful wonderful book and it's really really exciting yeah and she's in the middle of the kickstarter by the time this podcast goes live uh next monday i think there will be around six days left so support <laughs> your fellow authors and pop over and have but also go and have a look at what jan's done because i think this is a really great example of a brilliant kickstarter if you've thought about doing a kickstarter or if you're thinking about raising money for a book launch or even raising money to write a book some people use it for. I think this is a great example. So um, JM, that's M for Mark, and Carr with a double R, K 
K-A-R-R. Um, but we'd like to give, we'd like to give, um, Jan's book a bit of a spotlight this week to, to kind of get everyone excited about the launch of it, the Wonder Girls Resist. Um, and we've asked, we always ask people to kind of write their book hook. And she has a really good one on the, on the Kickstarter site, which is a tween young adult novel about a 1930s girl gang taking on the black shirts. That's the British supporters of Adolf Hitler again. And, and she's written us a little bit of a blurb as well, just to kind of give you a bit of a taster. So 4,000 child refugees from the Spanish Civil War are due to arrive at Southampton Docks. 16-year-old aspiring doctor Letitia is determined to help with the rescue effort. Most of the children are taken to a camp north of the town, but some are under the care, in quotes, of a teacher called Easton Fitzgerald. And are billeted at Net Nettlefield Grange Orphanage. Um, the baby is sure the black shirts are putting kids in peril again. Have they jumped from the frying pan into the fire? Baby and the other Wonder Girls must work out what the fascists are really up to and prevent a Nazi invasion, persuading Letitia to value what she's actually good at. Ooh, that sounds full of adventure and intrigue. So if you're interested in the Wonder Girls Resist, pop over to, to uh, Jan's Kickstarter. And you can actually get to it by going to her website as well. Um, you can go to jmcar.com. So that's jm for Mark, C-A-R-R.com. And the Kickstarter is launched from there. And we would love to see Janet's Kickstarter get pushed over the edge. She is yeah. over halfway, Mark, which is amazing. With uh, yeah. you know, a few, yeah. you know, six or seven days left as, as this goes live. So best of luck, Jan. We're rooting for you all the way. Luck, Absolutely the way. brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So Mark, let's go to social media now. What's been happening in social media? All sorts of good and wonderful stuff has been happening. Um, we've got, um, well, speaking of academics, uh, we've got Michael Kelly, whose book, in fact, is out, came out yesterday, published yesterday, The Lost Theory. And if you go to thelosttheory.com, uh, check that out there. So big congrats to academic Michael Kelly on that, who I believe is going to have his own future spotlight as well. So Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Um, and we've got uh, another win on uh, the Academy is from Paul Gimson, who says, I've been making painfully slow process, but realised today I'd hit 20,000 words. There's an awful lot to do with those 20,000, but pleasantly surprised that all the bits are there and has added up. Now, 20,000 words, of course, when we first started talking about this podcast, that was quite a key number for you, wasn't it, Mr. D? It certainly was, yeah. It was the point where I usually stopped writing and started a different project. <laughs> <laughs> and it's also so that, that point. That, yeah, don't do that, Paul. And also it was the point that Robin Stevens said that she always, that's when she kind of like went 20,000 words in. She thought, I'm rubbish. Why am I doing this? I know my last book sold loads, but this is the worst 20,000 words I've ever written. So if you're coming up to your 20,000 words, just know that that is part of the process. You'll beat yourself up. You think the worst author in the world, just get past those 20,000 and great news on Paul just pushing through that. So well done, Paul. That's fantastic news. Nice one. Um, Rachel Howes on the Bestseller Academy group, uh, Bestseller Experiment Group on Facebook. Instead of, she's finished her book, which is amazing, but instead of writing the end, she's put, Death conquers all. I'm sensing a theme this week, aren't Ooh. you? Um, so congratulations on finishing your book, Rachel. That's fantastic. Uh, I know it's been a long time coming, so uh, huge congrats on, on, on doing that. Brilliant, Rachel. Well done. 
Uh, a couple more things. Now, 200 words a day challenge. It's working for all kinds of people. Sean Brown tagged us on Instagram and he said that I'm nearing my record of 14,000 words for a first draft. I think I'll surpass it this week. Uh, my favorite podcast right now from Bestseller Experiment with another interesting and helpful episode. So, Sean, huge, huge congrats on that. Keep going sir keep going and on the 200 um, word challenge mod sorry just just interject uh, we have coming up next month for you uh, a special academy all-stars interview with none other than mark hood and mark hood is um i guess we'd say he's the kind of like muhammad ali of the 200 word challenge he's the usain bolt of the writing world um <laughs> <laughs> if you if you want to find out um how to make writing a habit definitely definitely listen listen out for that because mark uh recently surpassed uh, having started a 200 word challenge uh he's recently surpassed i believe 600 word uh, days that he's had a streak of not missing a day of writing a minimum of 200 words so look out for that and if you want to join him uh, and the many thousands others that are, are doing this incredible um, challenge. It's and simply me. two and more <laughs> to stay still posting his words up I'm on there. Twitter. I love it. 200wordchallenge.com. Just pop over to 200wordchallenge.com and join in the fun. And last but no, by no means least on social media, uh, our bestseller experiment um, Facebook supporter, Jeff White, he's he started a YouTube channel. And we talk about this, you know, making connections with, with readers and uh, you know, if you can't get out there in the real world, YouTube is a great way to do it. He said, I know I could probably have done it better, but didn't want to let perfect be the enemy of good. And so Very up good. it went, uh, which uh, so onwards and upwards to next week's video. So uh, congrats on that, Jeff. Uh, do That's check brilliant. it. Jeff White on YouTube. And a great quote, if ever I've heard one, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. That should go for your books as well, everyone. Just remember, there's no such mm. thing as perfection. Strive to be nearly perfect. All right. It's nearly perfect. All right, Mr. Stable. It's been absolutely brilliant again this week. Congratulations on that amazing event. Um, in conversation with Mark Stay, I think it said, not Q&A. I think it was in conversation. And I'm like, oh, right, that sounds that's got. I meant to say moderator, and I couldn't think of the word moderator. So I said question and answer person, which just I, shows it's a little long day. It's late here. It's been a long I day. Poor Mark. Okay. Poor Mark. He's, he's, he's missed his dinner. <laughs> I've I've just I've just had my, my cereal. It's like it's like not even eleven o'clock in the morning here in Vancouver. I'm chirpy and bright. And in fact, you know, people don't realise this. Every every time we do this recording, it is literally end of the day. You know, it's like mm. usually pushing somewhere near eight o'clock by the time we we finish yakking after we've done our recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so yeah, Mister Stay is like he's holding the fort for you guys over there in the east side of the world, on the on the UK side. And I think it should be recognised that you know how you do it, Mark. I don't know because uh, I'm usually the one who who's who's you know. I'm not able to keep my eyes open, and, and it is. It's nice and early in the morning for me. But um, but yeah, I think it's uh, it's going to be a good week, folks. The world is looking a little bit rosier. And remember, folks, if you um, if there's one thing that you do this week that you can bank, it will be your writing for all the other crazy stuff going on in your lives. You know, all the stuff pulling you left, right, center. Bank those words because those will still be there the next day and you can build on them. So good luck to everyone this week in your quest, in I'll your you, writing quest and adventures. I'll tell you what else you can do in between writing. You can subscribe, rate and review uh, this podcast on your podcatcher of choice. And if you want to say hello, 
Come and find us. We're all over social media. We're at bestsellerexperiment.com. On Facebook, we're Bestseller Experiment. Twitter and Instagram, we are at bestsellerxp. Brilliant. And don't forget, folks, you can support this podcast by going to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash support. And if you like the sound of all the stuff that's been happening in the Academy and you like what you've been hearing from some of the successes and wins, you are very welcome to join us. Academy.bestsellerexperiment.com. Come on over and uh, fill out your application form there. So, Mr. Stay, hope you have a great writing week this week. Mm, you too, sir. Excellent stuff. All right, everyone, have a good one. It's a goodbye from Mark 1. <laughs> And goodbye from Mark 2. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Bye.